Hey guys, it's finally here. What? Episode 100 of What the Hack with me, Adam Levin. Well, I know we've been working on this 100th episode for months now. We've come a long way since we started 100 episodes ago. Going into this, we had absolutely no idea what to expect. We'd hear about something we thought we knew about and learn something new. Of course, the show sounds different as we go along. I've since gone through puberty and my voice has gotten deeper. <laughs> As we work on the next 100 episodes, we're going to evolve, and we're going to get even better at creating our no-shame zone for anybody who's been targeted by a scam. And through their stories, we're going to learn how to stay safe. And now, for the 100th time, welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam Levin. I'm Bo Friedlander. And I'm Travis Taylor. 100 episodes. I have to say, that is pretty impressive. We should have a round of applause. <laughs> and if not, huzzah. 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 We have had so many amazing guests over the past two years. So to start this episode, let's take a look back. And then a little later in the episode, we're going to answer some questions from you, the listeners. Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. My Instagram was gone in that second. The person responsible for their identity theft was also responsible for my identity theft. Then all of a sudden I see a picture of me that doesn't exist on the internet. Adam, do you consent to this? Do you consent to me doing a vibe check on your immediate future via the tarot? Listen, the whole concept of future bliss works for me. I have a stripper in the family. <laughs> oh my this God. Is you guys like weird stories. There you go. I feel like this is like a game of Clue, but we're trying to figure out who killed your phone. This is it, everybody. The one and only Al Franken is our very special guest today, performing a sketch that's not only hysterical, but historical. The Subcommittee on Privacy Technology and the Law will come to order. Today, our witnesses are Alexa Amazon. Is that right? Just Alexa. Our other witness is Siri. That is correct. Very good. Alexa, you work for Jeff Bezos, don't you? Jeff Bezos is the founder of Amazon. We also have a sale this week on diapers.com. And I see that we shipped four orders of extra large Depends to your Louisville address. Would you like to reorder this item? Oh, well, those are the really Hi, good Hi, white ones. men. How are you doing today? Feeling very white. Thank you. I know. <laughs> Feeling white and entitled. I appreciate that. I am. Uh, yes. yes. I've got the beard and everything. Today we have somebody, I have to confess, I am a fanboy. Jack Reesider. Today we hear from the former chief privacy officer at Cisco and son, Michelle Dennity. Jordan Harbinger, information security executive, social scientist, and poker wizard, Tara Wheeler. Dara Star Tucker. Dan Please welcome Roy Wood Jr. You click Loch Ness Monster, and then it goes, cool, I know what type of shit you're into, so I'm going to feed you Bigfoot. And then I'm going to feed you Boogeyman. And then I'm going to, like, so it's that, but it's not, it's not necessarily literally something as off in the weeds as a Loch Ness Monster. It is, they're coming to take your guns, or this food can't hurt you, or, you know, things like that. Angelo Corazon. What happened with Beck is that what he was doing at the time was taking conspiracies that typically were relegated to the fringes. And it sounds so quaint, it's really hard to remember this time. But in 2009, their message board communities, the fever swamps, Twitter, these things were very small. So most people didn't have easy access to the fever swamps, the French. 
So if you wanted to find really radical conspiracy theories, you'd have to really work to find it. What Glenn Beck was doing, though, was he was plucking conspiracies and false attacks from these communities, you know, and turning them into mainstream narratives. So, for example, one of his most popular programs at the time was a claim that Barack Obama was building concentration camps. Today we're talking Twitter, its strengths, weaknesses, and what happens when intelligence expert and media pundit Malcolm Nance is on that platform while he volunteers to fight in Ukraine. People saw that we were raising money for the International Legion. And what we had was typo squatting. People had come in, would create a Malcolm Nance, only the first letter L would be the number one. And so eight days before the inauguration events began, we found out from our friends at the Washington DC Metropolitan Police Department that dozens of their permanently installed security cameras in the vicinity of the inauguration had been compromised. And I went to a site that I thought was the government site, typed in my information, and then as soon as I hit enter, I realized it was some spammer hub. And from that moment, for days on end, my phone was ringing like 15 times an hour. And so he is telling me, I've got lots of pictures of you. And in hindsight, going back and looking at the pictures, I'm going, oh my God, he'd gone through my photos, you know, my hidden photos in my cloud. And he'd taken pictures of me, some that I knew about, some I did not know about. And I'm going, oh my God, I need to get those. And even still to this day, I'm still fighting for them because I don't really know what all is there. So at that time, you know, my mom decided to sell everything that she owns and put me on the boat with other kids. Then we were drifted out to sea for three days until we were rescued by the offshore oil rig in the middle of the ocean. Who was the, who was your criminal? The guy was a, a, a dentist in Colorado. A dentist? No. Oh, well. <laughs> so, you know, here I am just texting Jason Bourne about his day. Yes, I mean, it was, I was also, you know, texting the Italian crypto guy. And then Fluffy, I was sexting. And I was also voice texting my girlfriend. First of all, I was offended. I was like, that's all my, my account is worth is a hundred bucks. So I give him the money. He gives me my account back. And I'm like, how old are you? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you, but I'm somewhere between the age of 12 and 14. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So you're 13. Got it. Oh my God. He's so cute. I love him. And I've also exposed, you know, some nation state actors and some cyber criminals, this kind of thing. So I think there's maybe some places out there that don't like me. So I grew up knowing how to traffic drugs, knowing how to uh, do insurance fraud, whether that be burning homes, faking accidents, faking stolen cars, whatever. I grew up knowing how to wildcat coal. I mean, just always forge documents, charity fraud, everything that you could possibly imagine until I finally just kind of branched off on my own and went into internet fraud. So that's that's where my life of crime began. And they were filling out this form or just do, doing a quick request for a code. And it would let anyone in and you could do an unlimited number of these, these code requests. So that's what they were doing. You know, they were just generating it on the spot. When we were standing there in front of the door, they were going to the website and just requesting the code to get in. There were a couple of things that I used that worked almost every time. If you disclose first, 
other people will open up. It shifts from someone violating a policy that they should know better to helping somebody in need. I've met my partner on dating apps. I've met multiple partners on dating apps. I think you just need to be smart about using them. Like we said, when something feels too good to be true, like second guess it. Can I get hacked? I do everything right. If you drive perfectly, can you guarantee that you'll never get into a car accident? So I will tell you something that is a bit controversial. I call it my panties rule. Make your passwords like your panties. Make them exotic. So use weird passwords. Change them frequently, right? And don't share them with other people because that's gross, okay? <laughs> that's true. So you, have, you have to follow them all in, in together, all those three rules. I am... So Exotic, I'm just change them frequently and don't share with others. I yes. like that. Because it's gross. Cause yeah, because we're I, talking about cyber hygiene here. We're so, talking hey. about good hygiene. Over the years, we've had our fair share of lost, hijacked, or stolen Instagram stories. So we wanted to give you some updates. When we were at the Shorty Awards, we ran into our friend Bob Sullivan... Uh, who does a podcast for the AARP. He was up for a prize. I think he got gold. We won. And you remember he brought up his dog again. I, I love that episode. Yeah, his dog's Instagram account got hijacked. Um, but he did get it back, in, maybe in part due to this show. And unfortunately, since that episode aired, Rusty passed away. So if you go to uh, Bob's website, he also has great advice to opt out of the kinds of email that you can get when a loved one passes, because it can be really, really intrusive and not what you need at that moment in your life. And what is the website? It's just bobsullivan.net. So that was Bob's Instagram. Did, didn't we also help Lisa Seifert with her Instagram too? Yeah, she's, she's in Australia now. She got her Instagram account back too. And so, you know, actually I was recently speaking to Ivana Milicevic, who was on the show, you may remember her as the, as the mean lady from Casino Royale. Uh, I think, Travis, you remember her for something else, right? Yeah, she was the voice in a uh, Netflix series called Castlevania. Oh, I was thinking you were thinking Banshee. Anyway, Ivana also, you know, whenever I speak to her, reminds me that, that we helped her get her account back. Not only that, our friend Amanda Malcolm also got her account back. Okay, I mean, these are just, this is just a, a very small sampling of all the people we've helped uh, over 100 episodes. If you have a story, it can help other people avoid trouble. Come to our website, adamlevin.com, click the button that says tell us your story, and tell us your story. Maybe you can be on the show. So if you come to our website, adamlevin.com, Bo Travis and I have put together a list of some of our favorite shows you can check out. When we come back, we're going to be answering some of your questions. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means you get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, 
fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works. Not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing, and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Okay, so for our 100th episode, we asked our listeners to send questions that they want us to answer. Andrew, give us the first question. Yeah, Jason, he wrote in and said, should I still freeze my credit if I have credit monitoring? Short answer, yes. Long answer, yes. (laughs) Adam, we had a fairly memorable episode where you copped to not having frozen your credit. What made you do it? I realized that you can only dispense wisdom so long if you're not actually following your wisdom. The truth is that you got to freeze your credit. I was being irresponsible. You freeze your credit and you should also freeze your kid's credit. I have copped publicly on the show that I did not freeze my kid's credit. And now they're not children, so I can't do it. You missed it. The window of opportunity closed. Adam owned a company called Cyber Scout. Travis, you and I worked for that company. We did indeed. And Adam had t-shirts made that said, Scaring is caring. And you said it whenever you could get a chance on TV. I even had some famous TV people say it. Yeah, no, Joy Reads to this day still says it whenever there's a cyber story. You're in the third year, well into the third year of your show, and you've often said, quote, scaring is caring. <laughs> yeah, and let's, let, let's just do a little scaring is caring, uh, as, we, as we like to say. One of the reasons we know as much as we do about protecting yourself from crime is because, first of all, we've been gotten. I don't think in all the years I've known Adam, he's ever been gotten. True or false, Adam? You know, Bo, I can't admit to anything like that. I will say that in my case, I had to use uh, the the identity theft resolution people at Cyber Scout a couple times. And Travis, so did you, I think. Yeah, I got in touch with the Cyber Scout and uh, they actually walked me through it pretty quickly. And uh, it was really helpful. It was one of those things where I was just, I, I remember thinking like that would have taken me days on end without having uh, that hand-holding. So, you know, the thing about what the hack, which I really like, is that it's a no-shame zone. 
And I think one of the ways that we can really engender that trust with our listeners and getting people to come on the show is to have guests like, um, well, you, Adam, on the show. R- really? Really? Is yeah. it? Well, from what I understand, yeah, come on, it's time now. Okay, you are on, you're on the the not the middle diving board, but the very, very highest diving board, the one where you can do a bunch of twists and flips and cool stuff. And it's your time. It is your time now as a guest on what the hack with you for you to tell the truth. I confess. Up until one week ago, I had never frozen my credit. Oh, wow. Now, this this actually makes sense to me. He did not need to freeze his credit. He, in fact, could walk around with his social security number taped to his back. <laughs> and he would be okay. And, and, it, and it probably was just kind of, uh, you know, adverse. Like, I don't know what the word is, but like bad muscle memory. <laughs> What do you call that? Wishful thinking? <laughs> you were betting that you weren't going to get got because, you know, you've as you've said over and over and over in media interviews, you know, the only reason you haven't been hacked yet or experienced identity theft is because the criminals haven't gotten to you yet. And I sincerely hope that I can point them in somebody else's direction. <laughs> but there's another thing that you actually quite amusingly said quite a bit as well, which is, You should set up credit freezes. I did. The reason why we sound like a broken record when talking about freezing your credit is because it's really important. Yeah, we have covered this topic a lot on the show, and we'll probably do it again. Well, because there's a lot of atoms in the world. Well, yeah, they're like little particles, and they run around in space. (laughs) And none of them have signed up for credit freezes. But the important part is, look, No one, including you, can get access to your credit in order to apply for loans, opening new accounts, if it's frozen. And so, to answer Jason's question more directly, do you need to freeze your credit if you have credit monitoring? Credit monitoring basically tells you what's happened and what is in the process of happening. Freezing your credit stops people from actually making it happen in the first place, at least when it comes to new accounts. Okay, so on Instagram, Manda wrote in and said, talk about safe slash locking mailboxes. Okay, Amanda, I am going to go with the fact that you want to know about safes, like the thing you lock things in, and locking mailboxes, which describe themselves. I, hmm, I use a safe. They're expensive. They work. Um, but my safe, if a person were strong enough, say if it were Travis, who <laughs> probably is strong enough. <laughs> You could take out of the house, and if you had a week or so, you could break it open and you could get what's in there, which would be really funny because what's in mine is my divorce settlement. I think I'll leave that safe alone. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. Well, the benefit to having a safe, if, especially if it's in your home, is that they're waterproof, they're fireproof. Well, you have to make sure you buy a safe that's waterproof and fireproof. Yeah, and that will also come in handy for the the person who steals it and is using a power tool assisted by uh, jet water, you know, to get it open, you know, for sure. <laughs> Indeed. All right, well, talk about locking mailboxes. How important are they? Well, it's one of the ways you can stop people from stealing your mail. And with that, your sensitive personal and 
identifying information, but it's not fail-safe. When we had uh, Devian Dolov on the show, he was telling us about how you can buy the key, the master key to PO boxes just easily online. So your skeleton key for all your finances is your social security number, but the skeleton key for your locking mailbox may well be for sale at a hardware store. Yeah, and a lot of mailbox locks are easy to pick. Let's hear that episode. One of the things we talk about in this show is that people have a tendency not to change default passwords, which mm -hmm. leave them open to all kinds of horrible things. Mm -hmm. So for the people listening, are there master keys or magic keys, basically a key that open, can open anything and they don't realize that that's available? Oh, yeah. I've got a, a Door King access control panel sitting behind me on the wall, literally. I'm holding a Door King systems key. Uh, this is the key, right, for, for Door King system cabinets. And that's an access box you'd see at a gate or in front of an apartment building. That standard intercom remote door opener that you're opening with just a $10 key? Oh, yeah. You know, I could just jump around anything I need to do. I mean, that there's all, the, there's all your circuitry. There's your door wow. relays. I could bypass, you know, just trigger door opening events because I have this little $10 key. So, Bo and Adam, you guys know I'm a bit of a uh, privacy geek, if you will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, totally. I, I really just don't like the idea that just about anyone can find you online, can find out where you live or your email address, or your phone number or anything. I just think that entire idea is super creepy. There's so much of my data already out there, but is there something that you can do? Yeah, actually, you can use Delete Me. Delete Me is a service that pretty much does the heavy lifting for you, where they go to all the data brokers that they have on file and uh, just pull your data and delete it on a regular basis. I use it, I like it, and they make it quick, easy, and safe to remove your personal data online. Well, yeah, with these data brokers, they can accumulate huge amounts of your personally identifiable information. And if all that information gets into the hands of a bad actor, that opens you up to a lot of risk. And if you act now, you can get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash WTH and use promo code WTH. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash WTH and enter promo code WTH at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash WTH, promo code WTH, which stands for What the Hack. And we thank you for supporting Delete Me and What the Hack. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rogue Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rogue's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. All 
All right. This question is from Fumiko asking, is it plausible for someone to put in a kill switch or code word into a major type of software? Um, when Fumiko first asked this question, the answer would have been like, no, it's extremely implausible. And it still is extremely implausible that, uh, most software goes through a lot of review before it gets launched, especially if it's on a major platform. Wait a minute. What's the kill switch? A story just came out where if you type in a single uh, line of text, you can disable WhatsApp on Android phones. That's just a glitch, Travis. Here's the thing. This question, Fumiko, is presupposing a Lex Luthor type, let's call him Elon Musk, who has put a kill switch somewhere in Twitter so that if people are saying mean things about him on the schoolyard, which I'm sure they've been doing since he was five, uh, uh, he can just turn it off, right? Correct. That's a kill switch. I think the answer is no, Travis. I mean, in your most responsible, least black mirrors kind of mode. <laughs> extremely implausible. Okay. I'm good with extremely implausible. What about governments putting backdoors into stuff? Uh, you know, I feel like that has happened to some extent. They're different things, right? So there's geo fencing, which makes certain apps and other things not work in, in, in geographical areas. But the idea of a kill switch is super fascinating, and I feel like it's something you might see in a place like Indonesia, where there's uh, civil unrest, and then the government just decides to turn it all off. Uh, when we had Nicole Perlroth on the show, wrote the book, This is How They Tell Me the World Ends, what she said is that governments are more likely to traffic in zero days rather than kill switches. And zero days are vulnerabilities that, that people have never seen before. They yep. have no time to prepare for it. Let's play a clip. Now that you've had all this experience, you've lived through all of this, what are some of your own cybersecurity protocols? I would just start by saying, I know my weaknesses. It took me like five minutes to find QuickTime on my computer before we started. So I know that I am not the most, let's just say, technically skilled in the space. So I don't even want to try. So in a lot of cases, I just take the most important things to me and make them analog. So, for instance, I have two cars. One of them is a Mini from the 90s that has no software in it, essentially. So there's no navigation. You know, no one can get into my car and track where I'm going. If I have to go meet a secret source, I just don't bring my phone and I take the Mini. Now the Mini is going to be implanted with spyware once it's yeah. out there. <laughs> that's one of my tricks. The other is I didn't have a baby monitor which is hell for a new mother. But it's because I was I got to know Ahmed Mansour in the United Arab Emirates, who we later discovered had his baby monitor hacked by the government, and it scared me off of ever using a baby monitor. It's stuff like that. And then for this for everything I need, like email, I use, you know, advanced multi-factor authentication and a physical security key. And for for Text communications, I use Signal, but I really take my most sensitive conversations offline. You know, I used to have sources where we would meet at the same place on the same Tuesday every quarter. We couldn't drive there. We couldn't Uber there. I was not allowed to bring my phone or my laptop. I could bring a pen and paper. And we would always choose the table with the seats that both face the entry or exit. But you could, and then you could always just call various agencies to ask for the tape later. 
<laughs> or as we say, you use the New Jersey approach to meetings. Never have your back to the front door. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I do. And I had these moments where I could have seen myself going full, what's her name, Carrie from Homeland. It's like at one point, my my cable box for the TV in my bedroom was making a lot of weird noises in the middle of the night. And I ripped it out. And I literally said something like, F you, China, or take that, China. And then in the morning the next day, I'm looking at this cable box strewn on my bedroom floor thinking, oh, man, I can't go down that road. So I just decided I can't not play in this space. I still need to order diapers on Amazon. Like, I still need to order things online. I can't hide my physical address. But I can make it much harder for cyber criminals or nation states to track my most sensitive communications, you know, which are my crown jewels. And so when it comes to those, I'll go to these extreme lengths. But for everything else, I just do the best I can. So the, for the normal stuff, for the surveillance economy we all live in, you live in it too. But when it comes to your day job, you actually walk, you operate more like a spy. Yeah. Now it's time for the tinfoil swan. Our paranoid takeaway that will help keep you safe on and offline. While revisiting the last 100 episodes, we found three tips we keep repeating even in this episode. First and foremost, freeze your credit. We can't say that enough. If you freeze your credit, it's fast and it means no one can take out loans or open new lines of credit in your name. Secondly, long and strong passwords. They should be unique. They should be complex and they should be frequently changed and never shared across your universe of websites. As a matter of fact, it might even be best for you to get a password manager. Well, my friends, I also wanna say, use multi-factor authentication. Uh, that can be email or your cell phone, just another place where a website can say, is this you logging in? And you can say yes and prove it because they sent you a six digit number to enter in. That really can save you a lot of trouble. And that's our tinfoil swan. But before we go, I just want to take a second to say how much I truly appreciate you joining us on this journey. And I also want to thank Bo and Travis for what they've done to make this podcast really special. And the fact that all of you out there are listening makes it very special to me. And I'd like to thank Adam and Travis for making this show, you know, making the show. Andrew was also not so bad. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to uh, thank our long-suffering producer, Andrew, for uh, <laughs> filtering out a bunch of outtakes and really inappropriate conversation and jokes and actually making this into something vaguely mature-sounding. And we'd also like to thank all the identity thieves out there and scammers and people no, committing fraud because no, without them, we no, wouldn't have the stories no, to tell. No, no. I think we got enough. <laughs> <laughs> What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Dream Media. You can find us online at adamlevin.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.